listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Today is going to be so different, so different for us, but I just can't move past it. I feel like it's something that God has laid on my heart, and I've got a Sunday that we're not in the middle of a series, and so I'm just going to preach it, and we're just going to see where we go with this. 1 Samuel chapter 16, as you're turning there, let me say this. Today is going to be challenging, it's going to be interesting, and I have a message that I do believe God has laid on my heart to share with you. This is kind of a disclaimer, just, just so you know. Some of you, you, you show up each week and you want me to inspire you, to encourage you, to edify you, and, and that's part of the job, okay? I get it. That, that happens and, and we all need that. But by definition, a pastor is a shepherd, amen? Okay, if you don't agree with me, then, then we've, we've got... We've got some theological issues. A pastor is a shepherd, right? And, and a shepherd is to lead the sheep. And, and what I have noticed in the consumerism of Christianity that is, that is so prevalent today is that sheep no longer want to be led. They want to be encouraged. They want to be edified. They want someone to pat them on the back and give them that feel-good story, you know. And, and, and I, I, I know that as a shepherd... That it's my job to lead the sheep to green pastures and to still waters. That's my job. And, and so I know at times we may find ourselves in, in a very dry and barren land. We may sometimes find ourselves in the middle of chaos and there's raging waters around. Which, by the way, sheep will not drink from, from running water. Sheep drink from still water. And, and, um, and, and sometimes we find ourselves in those situations. And my goal today is to get us to a place of healthy nourishment and, and quiet waters. I think that's where God wants us in the middle of all this chaos that we're living in. And the question that, that some of you are challenged with today is, is you're going to be asking yourself during this message, do I want him to be a motivational speaker or do I want him to be my shepherd? Do I want a pep talk or do I want to be pastored? And I can't answer that question for you. And you know that I'm not always this way. And I, I'm not saying this out of pride. I'm not saying it out of arrogance. I just know that God has laid something heavy on my heart to speak to you about today. And if I don't share it, then I've got to answer to him. And I would rather be in trouble with God than be in trouble with you. And some of you are just so scared to death right now. I understand. And so it's going to be challenging. And so before I read one verse, before we settle into the word of God... Let me be the first to go ahead and say what we all need to hear. Get over it. Would somebody just say it out loud? Just say, get over it. Oh, look at somebody next to you and say, get over it. Don't leave the other person out. Look on the other side and tell them too. They probably need it worse. Look at the FSU fans in the room and say, get over it. <laughs> first Samuel chapter 16. Let me read two verses to you. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer. So he took his shoddy with him. No, that's not what it says. So the Lord said, listen, if that offended you, you're in the right place. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you, 
That's a cow. Okay? And say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Church, we are living in a day and age that has given us the green light to be in this constant state of offense. Have you noticed that? It's like everywhere that we go, somebody is offended. I, I, I see Democrats are offended by the Republicans, and Republicans are offended by the Democrats, and the right is offended by the left, and the left is offended by the right. And I know that children are offended by their parents, and parents are offended by their children. And there's an older generation that's offended at the younger generation because they're so disrespectful is what they think. And then there's a younger generation that is offended at the older generation because they're irrelevant. Then we have wives who are offended by their husbands and husbands who are offended by their wives. We have the vaccinated that are offended by the unvaccinated and anti-vaxxers that are offended by the vaxxers. We even have vegans that are offended by meat eaters and meat eaters that eat vegans. <laughs> cows, cows, they eat grass. That's what I'm, that's what I'm referring to. I'm not talking about cannibalism by any means, right? However, you do realize there was this one time in scripture where Jesus said, if you're going to be a part of me, then you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And some of them heard what he was saying and they didn't understand that he was talking about the, the beauty of communion and, and, and what that meant in their lives. And they thought he was talking about cannibalism and they got offended and they left him. And, and he stuck there with just 12 disciples after hundreds were following him. So offense has been around forever. And it feels like to survive in our society today, you need to find a reason to be offended and let everybody know about it. As a matter of fact, do you really exist if you're not offended? I mean, can you, can you actually have a social media account and not be offended? And at some point, somebody needs to say, say it like you mean it. Come on. Get over it. Just get over it. And without even knowing it, when, when we are offended, we have given Satan a foothold in our lives. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 17 and 1. It said, then he, Jesus, said to his, to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus said, it is impossible. They're going to come. Offenses are going to come. Listen to how Jesus described the day and age that we are living in right now in Matthew 24 and 10. He describes our society when he said, and then many will be offended. You hear it? And then many will be offended. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. Man, if you don't think that we are living in that age that, that Jesus was disclosing, I, I think it's safe to say that we are in that era. And the Greek word that is used for offenses, that Jesus uses for offenses and being offended in both of those uh, verses, is the Greek word scandalon. And, and, and this word, it, it's where we get our English word from, scandal or scandalous. And, and I can tell you that offenses are scandalous indeed. Probably the best way for me to describe the use of this word that Jesus uses, scandalon, for offense, is to bring your attention to a mousetrap. If you have a mousetrap, you'll know that there is a part of the mechanism there that you put the bait on. You know, if you're trying to catch that little mouse, then you're going to put cheese or you're going to put peanut butter on, on, on that, that, that little part of the mechanism there. That is the scandalon. 
It is part of the trap. It is what gets you entrapped. It is what catches the mouse. That's right. If you want to catch that mouse and end his life, you simply put some cheese or some peanut butter on that scandalon and you give him time to take the bait. And that little mouse, he can't help himself because that bait is so enticing, it is so tempting, so he tries to tiptoe and he sneaks up to that trap just to get a little taste and curiosity gets the best of him. But just at the right moment. All of a sudden, that cute little innocent mouse takes a little nibble of that cheese and the scandalon triggers the trap, or as Jesus called it, the offense. The offense triggers the mechanism that stamps down on his little neck and it, it, it leaves him for dead. Saints, we better recognize what Jesus was warning us about. Offenses will come, he said, but that doesn't mean that we have to be offended. And that we celebrated 15 years last Sunday. We had like 600 people here last week. I'm going to follow it up this week, and next Sunday we're going to have 12. <laughs> Just like Jesus. Offenses will come. But we don't have to live life offended. There's a great book. It's an older book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. And that's what he calls offenses. They are the bait of Satan. And church, we don't have to take the bait. We are choosing to take the bait. And, and you think that it's the left or it's the right or it's someone who is in disagreement with you. It's the vaxxers or the anti-vaxxers or whoever it is. You think that they are the ones setting the bait. But let me tell you, Satan is the one that wants you offended. He is the one that is setting the bait. And you don't have to take a nibble. You don't have to take a bite. In our text today, we find Samuel. Samuel's grieving. The prophet is grieving. He is mourning over King Saul. And King Saul's not dead. He's just useless as a leader. He is spiritually profaned. He has no clue what it means to be a man of God. And they say that, that grief, mourning, is a lot like offense. That you might experience denial at first. Oh, not my nation. Not my, no, you don't know my nation. We would never do that. We would never act like that. Not my child. No, not my precious little baby. Often we're in denial, and, and, and then it leads to anger. And, and sometimes it can even lead to depression. So you will see how offensive are a lot like grief and, and that is exactly what Samuel is experiencing Saul was a disappointment to say the least Saul was so bad at being king that God says something to, about Saul that none of us want to be said about us I mean it really pushes God to the limit and, and I pray that God never says this about me so we go back one chapter to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. And God speaks to his prophet Samuel, and he says, The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret 
that I have made Saul king. Lord, please, please keep my heart pure. It has to be a a horrible state to be in when God regrets putting you in a place of, of position, when God puts you in a place of authority. Even the authority head over your home. I regret that I've made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry. And he cried to the Lord all night. Why? Why does this offend Samuel so much? And, and, and to get this answer, you actually have to go back a few more chapters. And, and just let me kind of catch you up. Because what happened was, was Israel was under the direction of God. It was a, a true theocracy. And, and they decided that they wanted a king like all of the other nations that they're fighting. All the other nations, they have someone in charge, and, and, and they have a king. So we want to be like them. We want a king. We want a king in charge of us. So God, God gives them what they ask for, and he designates Saul as the king of Israel. The Bible says that he stood head and shoulders above every other man. The problem is Saul, even from the beginning, just, just has a way of doing just the opposite of what God said to do or what God said not to do. It seems like he was just one of those stubborn little kids that as soon as the parent would say, don't do that, and they turn their back, he would do it. That's how Saul operated, or don't do that, or, or do that, and then they would just, just shut the responsibility and never do it. That's how Saul was operating, and the Bible says that Samuel was angry about the whole situation. He is upset about this situation with Saul, and it's because he was commissioned with making Saul king. This prophet had to carry the responsibility of, of, of making sure that Saul became the king. So he was the one that anointed him to be king. He was the spiritual advisor to the king. He was charged with leading the king spiritually. And when you're leading a stubborn king spiritually, it can become very frustrating. Have you ever, have you ever invested in someone that just won't listen to you? Some of you, 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 you don't know what you got into today. This is what it looks like when your pastor preaches, okay? Just in case you're wondering. This, it, it only happens every so often when I get like this, but it's burning inside of me. And so I'm going to get it out, okay? So you might as well get with me and act like you're enjoying it, or it, I just might make it worse. So act like you're with me, okay? Have you ever invested in someone that just won't listen to you? You know, you believe in them. You do. You believe. You love them. You see potential in them. You recognize talents and strengths that nobody else can see. And you invest your time, your energy, sometimes even your treasure in them. And you have put your name on the line for that person. You recommended them. And then they disregard all of that. They act a fool. And they left, they left you holding the bag. Okay, it's just me then. It's just me. I'm going to get this out for me today, and, and I'm going to feel better about myself, okay? It's tough when you invest in someone. You invest in your kids. You expected them to be a doctor or a lawyer when they were little. Boy, you're disappointed now, aren't you? Somewhere around age 10, you're like, you're a moron. You're never going to be a doctor. You expected them to, to do something with their lives, but now they live in your spare bedroom 
They eat your food. They sleep all day and play video games all night. <clears throat> Such a disappointment. Not my baby. And that leads to anger. And then that leads to depression. It's the stages of grief, right? You, know, you invested in that job for years. And now they don't seem to care about you. Do y'all want me to tiptoe around this or just can I really get there? You invested in that job for years and, and now they don't care and, and they're forcing you to get vaccinated. Jesus said offenses will come. I'm not telling you you have to get vaccinated. Don't, no, 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 don't you misread me. I'm just saying that's the situation. You made that man who he is today. You cooked for him. You cleaned for him. You put up with all of his childish ways. He kicked you to the curb and now some other heifer. I mean... <laughs> you thought it. I'm just saying what's on your heart. Now some other woman is, is enjoying the fruit of your labor. Because <clears throat> you're the one that had to pay the price for him to be who he is today. Or you're the one that had to pay the price for her to be who she is today. And what do you do? What do you do with these offenses? And if you're not careful, you will take the bait and you will be offended. And God could not leave Samuel there. So the Lord said to Samuel... How long will you grieve over Saul? How long will you be offended about this situation? How long are you going to stay mad? How long are you going to be angry? How long are you going to pout? Now I want you to think about the implications of Samuel's actions or in this situation a lack of action really. Because as long as Samuel is grieving... As long as he is mourning over Saul, as long as he is offended by the situation, David will never be anointed to be the next king of Israel. As long as Samuel stays offended and doesn't listen to the voice of God, we're never going to get to the next part of the story which, which God was ready to get that ball rolling because he knows he's got some preparation to do with young David. But at first, he needs to make sure that the prophet gets there and he can anoint him to be the next king of Israel. And I wonder sometimes, church, if we get so focused on being offended that we are blocking that blessing on the other side of the offense. We're so appalled that we won't give God our applause, our praise. Or, or maybe we are so taken back that we won't allow God to take us into our next season, which just so happens to be on the other side of the offense. And what we have to do spiritually, we've got to get over it. We've got to learn to move on. We've, we've got to get past this because the enemy has set this as a trap. It is a roadblock. And unless we move beyond it, unless we mature past it, we will never see the blessing on the other side of it. But, but sometimes it's not, it's not necessarily what, what they did. Sometimes you're the offense. It's true. Sometimes I'm the offense. Because you can become so offended that you begin to offend. 
You've heard it said that hurt people hurt people. I think it's safe to say offended people offend people. I always think that it's interesting how some people can hear one sentence that I say in a sermon. It, it'll happen today. It, it, it always happens. But somebody will hear one sentence that I say in a sermon, and somehow they can take that one sentence completely out of context. They, they hear that one sentence, and they're stuck. Some of you right now, I said something a moment ago about, you know, Democrats offending the Republicans, Republicans offending the Democrats, and, and you're so stuck on that sentence right now that you have not heard any of the other life-giving stuff I'm telling you right now. You're offended, and this is right where God wants you. They get so stuck on that one sentence. That's all that they hear, and they miss the whole point. I said a sermon full of, of great stuff that for them, but they hear that one line. And, and what's crazy to me is they don't know me. They've never sat down with me. They never asked me how I truly feel about it. They've never asked me my personal opinion. Listen, if you want to have a conversation about politics, set up an appointment. I don't mind having personal conversations about politics. I can tell you exactly how I feel, how I vote, why I vote the way that I do. I have no problem with that. I had this this one gentleman one time that uh, decided he wanted to confront something I said during the sermon years ago, years ago. And let me tell you, it's, it's cute. It's cute when, when they want to do that. And, and I'll take it. It was about 13 years ago when this happened, and I preached a sermon. It was right before, I believe it was the presidential election, um, and, and it was, I preached a message called Responsibilities of the Christian Voter. I still stand by it, by the way. There were responsibilities of the Christian voter. And I preached this message just trying to be a shepherd, just trying to lead the flock and, and trying to help them as we were going into the election week. And, and, and during uh, uh, that, that sermon, I, I said some things about you know, us as Christians and, and, and how we should be driven by, by certain passions and certain convictions and stuff. And so um, that next week, Barack Obama was elected president. And, and that next Sunday, I, I preached a message and encouraged our congregation. Some of you need to just settle down right now. Just breathe easy. I promise you. I'm, I'm very calculated with my words. Just relax, okay? So that next Sunday after the election, I preached a message and encouraged our congregation to pray for the president-elect, whether they voted for him or not. Because after all, is that not what the Apostle Paul encouraged young Timothy to do in 1 Timothy chapter 2? It's there. It's, it's in God's word. I was just preaching God's word that we need to pray for the president. And I can tell you this, whether it is Biden or Trump, I will pray for the president. And those of you in the room that have been with me for a long time, you know how I will always pray for the president, whether they are Republican, Democrat, whatever, okay? There was a man visiting our church that day, and I, I've never had a face-to-face -face conversation with that man. Never, never. I, I don't know him, don't even know what he looks like. But something that I said in that message, it rubbed him the wrong way. And he decided that um, he was going to send me an email blasting me for encouraging Christians to pray for someone that was so unholy. He cited a list of moral reasons of why God could not possibly be happy with me including, and, and, and asking the church to pray for him because of things like abortion, homosexuality, and support or lack of support for the nation of Israel and all that kind of stuff. To which I responded in his email, and I, I will say very kindly, I might add, that that's even more reason why we should pray for a president. 
The man didn't know me. He didn't care to know me. He walked into church that day ready to judge. He heard what he wanted to say, at least one sentence of it, and he walked out offended. I invited him in my email to come and have a conversation, a face-to-face conversation with me. Do you think that he did? Of course not. They never do. Because some people just want to live life offended. They take the bait and they are satisfied living in that trap that the enemy has, has set for them. That snare had their name on it and they are living in that offense. I, I'm just going to say it. Uh, it. It just hit me. And this is either God or Rocky and I, I can't, you, you, you'd figure it out. Sometimes we get offended in the name of Christianity and it is so far from God. I'm not telling you that we shouldn't have convictions and we shouldn't be passionate. I'm not even saying that we should not stand up for, for certain things that, that, that we should and we should show support. But we have, there is a fine line between supporting something and, and putting out a post that is offensive. And, and, and I've just learned, I've, maybe, maybe, Maybe not. I've just matured enough to not be offended on social media or in public rants. Unless I'm offended that you're offended. And now I'm just going to rant from the stage, right? Okay, let's get really real with this, okay? And I'm going to start bringing this thing home. It's one thing to be offended by someone that doesn't really know you. That man didn't know me. It's one thing to be offended by someone that, that... they don't really know you. It, it's a completely different thing when you're offended by someone that you love. That's hard. We see families torn apart. We see churches torn apart. That, that, it's tough. But, but I have to say that I think the worst offense of all is when you are offended by God. You've been there. You just don't want to admit it. Because God has a way sometimes of, of speaking something, leading us somewhere, doing something, allowing something that if we're not careful, it will offend us. Because his ways are higher and we don't understand what God is up to and what God is doing. Uh, allow me to read one of those. Matthew chapter 15, really quick, really quick. And I'm, I promise you, this is closing. This is closing. This is how I'm going to end this, I think. Matthew chapter 15. Verses 22 through 28. This is probably one of the most offensive moments in scripture. Judge for yourself. Matthew 15 verse 22. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. You hear this this woman's cry? This mother, man, she's concerned. Verse 23. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Well, that's a little presumptuous. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Here it is. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. You never knew your Jesus said stuff like that, did you? That's offensive. She said, yes, Lord. 
Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman. And Jesus is the only person that can talk to a woman like that. O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This has to be the most offensive thing that Jesus ever did. I mean, God has offended. First of all, when she first presents her need to Jesus, the Bible says that he completely ignores her. He doesn't even say one word to her. She pours her heart out. My daughter is in need of healing. I am a desperate mother and I need you, Jesus. And he won't even look at her. Rude. You can't read this and not think the same thing. Yes, God has the potential to offend us. Offenses will come. Then, he didn't just call her a dog. He called her a dog to her face. He wasn't talking to somebody else. Listen, call, call me a dog behind my back, and I find out later, I'll probably get over it. I've got enough God in me right now, I could probably get over it, right? But you call me a dog to my face with people standing around, one of us might go to jail. Don't try me in the foyer after service. It's fighting words, right? Don't call me a dog to my face. This conversation happened between some of you and, and somebody calling you a dog to your face in public, at Publix. There's going to be a cleanup on aisle seven, right? It's offensive. God has said something offensive. And what you have to understand is that there's, there's history between the Israelites and the Canaanites. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. For hundreds of years, there was no love loss between these two. They do not like each other. And it's interesting to me how this Canaanite woman addresses Jesus. Listen to what she says when she first approaches him. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Son of David. And this is a phrase that you would have to be a Jew, a Hebrew, an Israelite to truly understand the meaning, meaning of it because the title was associated with the Jewish Messiah that they were waiting on. So throughout the Old Testament, when it refers to the son of David, it is often referring to the coming Messiah. And in this statement alone, this woman recognized what most of Israel had not recognized, that he was the Messiah. And that had to pique the interest of Jesus. It was common for Jews to refer to Canaanites as dogs. There's a Greek word that is used, it's called kuon. And, and they would use this as, as a derogatory term. This word was used for, for the mutts that roamed the streets, digging through trash, digging through garbage. Wild dogs that, that left a mess everywhere that they went. So Jews would call Canaanites kuans, mutts, dogs, scavengers. 
It was not a term of, of, of endearment. It was, it was interchangeable throughout Scripture for evil people. That's how they thought about people. But Jesus didn't call her a kuon. When you read the Greek, the word that Jesus used was kunarion. It's similar, but it's different. Because this is a word that you would use for a pet dog. You, you know, part of the family. Like, like you feed them, you, you water them. Like they're welcome to eat the scraps from underneath the table that fall to the floor. My 23, soon to be 24 year old daughter lives at, at home. She's working. She's paying her bills. But right now she's living at home, just waiting on a good man, taking applications. <laughs> 15 years ago, we gave in and we gave our kids a dog. 15 years later, Caleb's married and, and his wife, Mariah, she has banished CC from ever living with them. And so mom and dad, she won't even let CC visit. Well, I mean, she, mom and dad are stuck caring for this dog. Every now and then, you know, Kendall gets to chip in. I mean, but you did leave for three and a half years to go to college, you know, so. And CC's now old and gray. She can't hear. She can't hardly see. She's not as cute as she once was when she was just a little, little miniature Dotson, just a little puppy. And so Kendall, she wants a, a, a cute little Cunarion, a little family pet. So she keeps showing us pictures of these Labradoodles. I, I can't stand the Petrush family for getting a Labradoodle and making. She wants a, pep, a, a puppy, you know, a pet dog to be part of our family. Yes, Jesus called her a dog, but that's not what she was used to hearing. She was used to people calling her, Jews calling her, Israelites calling her a scavenger, a mutt. You're no better than, than one who digs through the garbage. That's what she was used to hearing. And when Jesus spoke to her and he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread. In other words, I'm here for the Jews. It's not right to take the children's bread and what I'm doing and throw it to, and she's expecting, kuon, she's expecting that. And Jesus says, it's not right to throw it to the cute little pet puppies. And she leans in. She listens close, and she responds with, yes, Lord. Yet even the pet dogs, even the puppies, eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She could have stormed off offended because of what he said to her, but instead she listened closely and responded with grace. And the Bible says, get this, the Bible says that Instantly, instantly, in that, at the moment she got over the offense, immediately her daughter was healed. How many blessings, church, are we missing out on because we are offended with God? 
How many? It's time that we mature and we get over it. Just get over it. Stop being offended at every little thing. And when it comes to God, I'm convinced that he puts us in offensive situations sometimes because it's in those moments that the heat is turned up and it's in those moments that the impurities rise to the surface. And if we're ever going to be pure, if we're ever going to stand before God holy, if we are ever going to stand before him whole and complete, count it all joy, my brothers. When you go through trials of many kinds, when he turns up the heat, have you, have you noticed during the Olympics that there were so many of these, these athletes that then they would win the gold? They would stand on the podium and they would, they would bite the medal. Did you, did you, it's the strangest thing. I had to figure it out. I was like, what are they doing? I now know what they were doing. It's a sign that they've won the gold because true gold, like pure gold, is very soft. And you can bite it to test it. But when it's mixed with other metals and it's not pure gold, it becomes hard. You put gold through the refiner's fire and it comes out purified and sometimes God puts us in offensive moments in life just to put us through the fire to bring the impurities to the surface so that we can be made pure and the problem with America right now is we're all so hardened relax people relax some of us we we just need to back off And quit being offended. Get over it. Because I promise you next year you're going to be done forgotten about this. And you're going to be offended about something else. Because the spirit of offense when it attaches to your life. It takes you from one season to the next. And before you know it you've lived a whole lifetime full of being offended. Life is too short to be offended. There's too many people that he's called me to reach for me to be offended. I'm just, I'm refusing to do that. I'm just not going to be offended. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. I'm not offended by it either way. I, I'm not. If you want to vote Republican, vote Republican. If you want to be Democrat, vote Democrat. Listen, we'll all stand before God one day and figure it all out. And I'm praying somewhere in the process that both parties who have impurities, you, you don't want to hear that, do you? That somewhere in there, that there's a purification process that takes place and we once again become a nation that says, in God we trust, not anyone else. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.